Hello, welcome to What We Need Some Soul. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Steve Simfleur, uh, and I'm excited to bring you guys this next guest. And uh, this person is amazing in, in terms of what they're doing and what they have accomplished. Um, and I'm going to take you to this journey of the one and only uh, Yamadu Alexander from the African Fundal, also the co-founder of Makeba. I am an entrepreneur that operates mainly in the uh, African continent in the space of um, fintech. Um, I used to be doing a lot of telecommunications since uh, 1998 and uh, now focusing on renewable energy uh, utility company and uh, starting a, a DAO to uh, address the problem of um, equity financing in the um, SME space. Mm -hmm. uh, now, with your entrepreneur background, can you take us back to when you first started and how did you get, you know, how did you get into tech uh, and how did you end up going to the Africa as a continent? Uh, where you could have been in any other places, but what was the motive there? What is Spike Lee made a movie called Do the Right Thing. Mm -hmm. I was in Paris as a teenager and all my friends were into hip hop and we started listening to a fight power public enemy. I got a lot into hip hop. Um, June 1994, I came to the US. I left Paris, I came to New York and I started to live here, stay as a waiter and um, start selling cell phones to uh, the French chefs and the waiters in the French community in New York. And I met through the hip hop community, uh, a guy from Congo, uh, Zaire, and uh, we start selling phones into uh, Congo. So that was my first uh, initiation of business in Africa was selling product of telecom. Then we, um, then we grow the uh, telecom service because you're selling a product is one thing, but selling every minute somebody is using the service is better. So we start putting network into uh, Chikapa and Bujimai, which is cities within, um, within Congo. And then I grow that to uh, other countries, uh, the, the World Food Program, a United Nations branch. We provided them satellite connectivity in 38 countries in Africa to provide them uh, data connectivity for their humanitarian mission. Then um, we, um, we started a cell phone company in Capo Verde called Timaish, which we sold in 2012 to Unitel. I started the... Um, Go Green Ride, the, the green cabs in New York. I, I sold that company in 2015. And um, Noela and I created the Malaika, uh, a school for girls in, uh, in Congo. So that was in the Philanthropic Humanitarian Initiative. And that's uh, 12 years of my life. We built the school, we built uh, the FIFA Community Center. So that's my involvement and on a personal level also being married to uh, young lady from uh, Congo. I'm very happy. And uh, yeah, so that's that's me. Nice. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Now, as far as building a company uh, in the continent and everything, what were some of the learnings that you gather uh, or what were the challenges that you faced during those entrepreneurship journeys and stuff like that? Well, the, the first thing that one must figure it out is that when people say, I do business in Africa, it's a, it's a, you know, there is 54 very, very different countries. 
one could be doing business in Benin, but you have no clue how to do business in Malawi. One could do business in South Africa, but there is nothing compared to Nigeria. So it's very tailored to each country, the specific, but um, a good reading of the marketplace and understanding of what problem you're solving. How could you solve it? Evaluating your capex to do so, evaluating after that the operating expense to do that based on the potential revenue, do you see profitability? There is amazing talent in Africa. You don't need to import uh, brains. There is locally people that if you give them the opportunity and the tools and the trust and um, the confidence in them, they will excel. Um, so I had multiple cases where that was proven. And you go for it and don't listen to the naysayer, oh, Nigeria is all corrupt. Oh, Senegal, nothing is working. No, you, you figure it out your way to work. It's not going to be easy. And um, But as long as you do something that is good for the people, you will strive. Beautiful. Now, as you mentioned, this corruption and everything, how do you deal with regulators? How do you deal with, how do you maneuver those corruptions or these, you know, all these challenges. I mean, as an American citizen, this corruption thing, you have to say no from the get-go because it's, it takes you to jail very fast. But um, if you provide a service or a good or you're into a business that has value for the community, fairly quickly the regulator, who is supposed to defend the interest of the community first, um, they see the good in what you have to offer. And if you show credibility that you have done it in other place, that you have the right partner, that you are going to implement something that is good, usually they support you. Um, the Central Bank of Nigeria, look at uh, Makeba and what we want to do. And in no time we receive um, our um, license uh, as a remitter for a fintech company and we did not have to pay anybody nothing you fill up all the paperwork they make sure that you are fully compliant that you know what you're doing and um, you get your license to operate and then they monitor you now uh, you mentioned Makeba which is you know fintech startup uh, can you give us a little insight about Makeba why did you start the Makeba business uh, which is a very phenomenal business in terms of fintech, as we know, it's one of the most growing sectors in Africa. Uh, what is Makeba? So Makeba is a mobile banking application that allows you to do money transfer, to do payment, buying airtime. And it was created based on the analysis of the telecom data. So when we created T plus in Capo Verde, I analyzed the telecom pattern and I've seen a very high connectivity to the US. And I realized that 500,000 Cap Verdean live in Boston, Massachusetts area and 500,000 Cap Verdean live in Capo Verde. So you benchmark this amount of people calling regularly to Capo Verde compared to the remittance and the average of $200 per month and the numbers were matching. So once I got this um, data that proved the, the size of the diaspora sending money back home to the tune of $200 a month, then I extract this to Ghana, to Senegal, to Nigeria, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of traffic. And those people pay uh, 9 to 10% to send money back home to the family. So you have somebody walking in America, 
doing whatever he can do to send an average of $200 to support his family in Ghana, Nigeria, Senegal, wherever, and 10% is in the cost of transferring that money. So that, that I feel was um, very expensive and there is a better way to do it uh, in a fully compliant way and fully instant, and that's what Makeba is doing. And, um, and then mobile payment, 75% um, yeah, of all trade in Africa are still cash-based. So it's an informal cash-based economy. And so there is huge room for growth, digital payments. And um, we want to catch that wave. So we started in Capo Verde, got licensed in Nigeria, get banking agreement in Senegal, in the US, and now we are raising funds to continue to grow the company. The trends around like digital payment in Africa and crypto and everything. What does that market look like and what is that growth rate? Yeah, so you have two parallel situations. In the formal road, you have a lot of mobile banking application, mobile payment application that are growing. Uh, the MNOs, the mobile network operator, have their own initiatives such as MTN, Momo, and there is multiple uh, smaller um, payment striving and growing and getting market share and getting valuation in over a billion dollar market cap. And, um, and then parallel to that, there is many countries where the regulators because the European and the American didn't embrace yet crypto, they don't understand it, so they block it, but the population need it. You know, think, think about if, if you are a businessman in uh, Malawi and you're trying to send a thousand dollars to a vendor of yours in Nigeria selling you or providing a service to you, to send that money, that's very complicated and it will cost between 15 to 25 percent because you are dealing with two non-pegged uh, fiat currency so crypto will be a solution where people can start sending value instantly but to get today in a gray way because it's not compliant is not regulated but it happened there is a huge amount of nigerian today using bitcoin using ethereum so web3 Crypto is a wave that will not stop. It's a tsunami that will take over Africa uh, financial services. But where we see a little bit of a difference compared to what we're talking about when we talk Bitcoin in America, in Europe, it's a lot of about speculative greed and wow, my friend bought 1000 Bitcoin and now he got a Lamborghini. And, but that doesn't freaking change anything. So it's a lot of brain jerking off on this crypto side of the Bitcoin. I don't see that with a good future, but the technology, the blockchain that will be able to digitalize all the, um, the landscape as far as the real estate title, it's a big mess to own a house in some countries in Africa, you have dispute with ownership and then somebody is selling you the house and then somebody is coming and say, hey, this is my house and here is my title. So Web3 and being able to tokenize title will be a big wave. The financial services providing instant transaction where you can move value. Um, so all this technology will, um, will strive and will help significantly um, an economical independence for the continent. Now, with regulators, are they seeing that future of, of, of what do you crypto? Are they foreseeing it as a tool that will be able to, with some of those issues that you just mentioned around houses? 
and land and all that stuff, right? Uh, what are the regulators doing to make sure that innovation is happening? Well, um, back to Nigeria, the Central Bank of Nigeria issued uh, eNaira to do a test for cryptocurrency. Uh, South Africa uh, accepted Bitcoin as a legal currency. Uh, there is a lot of initiative ongoing. Uh, I know there is something going on in Ghana in the crypto world also. So it is slowly coming, but unfortunately, many of those regulators are looking at what the French regulator or the British regulator or the OCC will be doing, and then they will follow lead on rules and regulation. And that's them. But the community, the people that are connected to the world, yet to be the Facebook, they know what's going on and they, they're already riding that wave. So some of the regulator will have to play catch up and some of the regulator are surfing the wave together. Well, and how those communities are being built right now? Like the community in Africa. Are, are there a community there? Um, and how you guys are com coming together to create? Uh, I think it's very niche. Okay. Yeah. You have people that are studying the concept a lot. You have people that use it. But bear in mind, back to what I was telling you, 75% of all trade is cash-based. So the informal market is strictly cash for now, not even credit card or bank transfer. So you will have an adoption. And because we have over 500 million smartphones, as soon as it's more user-friendly, so it's more mainstream, believe that it will um, will strive as far as let's say in senegal i know there is community starting to discuss there is a lot of companies coming proposing to the government blockchain solution for elections for um, the cartography the, the 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 mapping of the of the country it will solve um, agriculture uh, situation and there is a lot of initiative on climate change to uh, address the trading of carbon credits and because most of the trees and the forest in the Congo and all that are there, being able for Africans to capitalize on carbon credit using blockchain and using tokenization of carbon credit, that will be also a huge element. So it's still small, but more people are talking about it. More people are trying it. They discover all the good for the continent. Um, now. You, you know, there is a, this amazing DAO that you, you've been working on. Yeah. Uh, can you give us a little detail around that? How did you guys about creating the, this amazing initiative? So initially, I put the concept together of the African Fund on a strictly personal level because I wanted to be able to use the dividends and the financial reward of my businesses to be reinvested in the continent so that this profitability can finance my philanthropic desire to build schools in, uh, in Africa. Then um, about four months ago, um, a friend named Sinoe in Belgium uh, told me about the DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization and how it could impact. And uh, then I decided to, why don't I put together this initiative of the African Fund and a DAO and set up the African Fund as a DAO. So, we are going to be uh, selling token to people and we will be using the money to invest equally over 54 countries in SMEs and create a portfolio. We will be kind of an asset management company, imagine like a BlackRock, but focus on Africa. 
with a twist that the dividends and the revenue must stay in the continent. Unfortunately, Africa has been an extraction continent, extraction of human beings with slavery, extraction of good and mineral with the colonialism. And now we have kind of independence, but still uh, eco colonialism economically. And many businesses that invest over there, for sure, they pay some local tax, pay some local staff. But when there is a payout or an exit or the dividend, that goes internationally. And as long as don't, we don't keep that net income, the fat of those companies in the ecosystem within the continent and be reinvested in new business to create the stability that we all seek for the continent, uh, it will not be good. So with the African Fund, we want to address that. And um, I was, uh, I am blessed that with 25 years experience over the continent, I get to know so many great people that have very big expertise in private equity, in uh, lawyers, technology people, marketing people. So we have a good team of 10 ladies, 10 men that are going to be uh, the advisor of the DAO, plus many other uh, advisor in specific uh, skill set. And the community will be voting for the businesses that we will propose to invest in. People in the community will be doing due diligence, you know, Let's say we want to invest in a, in a farm in Ghana. I'm sure that we will find within our community a lot of experts in farming from different countries in Africa that could give their professional opinion on this opportunity. So now you are benefiting from the power and the knowledge of many instead of the knowledge of a few. Therefore, you have a better assessment of the opportunity which will trigger to a better investment, which will come to a better internal rate of return, therefore better portfolio that generate good money to be reinvested according to the point system. So the point system is an actual simple mathematical uh, algorithm that will take all dividend investment and revenue divided by 1.3 billion, which is the population of the African continent, and then that amount, that value, the point, will be multiplied by the population in each country. And using blockchain, we will credit the wallet on this 54 country instantly with funds ready to be deployed, to be invested in SMEs in those 54 countries. So you will see at one point, maybe a business in South Africa that generate a million dollar dividend for our stake. That one million will be divided to all the 53 other countries. So now we're gonna invest in Gabon, we're gonna invest in Senegal. So you have this African unity that is very important and a fairness in investment. Today, many of the large ticket item private equity investment is Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa. If you are a good FinTech company in Mauritania and you're trying to raise money, good luck with you. Nobody cares, nobody knows. It's not a very vibrant, a private equity market for the investors, which leads to also this point that the priorities of investment and the diversification strategy of investment in Africa should not be decided by investors in Palo Alto or in Paris or in London. It should be invested by the people in the country that know exactly what we need in this country as far as energy, infrastructure, logistics, whatever it is, healthcare, education, even profitable education, it is possible. So those decisions of 
priority in the diversification strategy will be proposed by us, voted and decided by the community. And we will call for every African uh, and non-African to, as long as they love the continent and they have good intention, to, to participate and give their uh, wisdom and their vote and if eventually their investment into the African fund. Now, for people that are not know what it's about, can you give us a little context from what is it about, the impact of it? Yeah, so historically, if you and I meet up and we want to open a pizzeria shop, there is a strong chance we're going to create an LLC or a corporation. And that's what is joining us in a business to do something. In the future, people will create DAOs so that you have an implication of community that could be your customers, your investors, everybody that, you know, many times people give as an example, imagine if Uber were to be a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, where all the decision will be voted by the community member. That means the drivers will have a say now at the direction of the company. They will own token. That means when the company does well, all the driver will have an incentive and receive a share. It will almost be like a, an IPO, but everybody involved, not just the investors, the user. If you're a consumer and you're using Uber, you will have also token that give you also for the company a better customer retention. So it's a way of organizing a group of people to do things together, to have a better governance because of the voting, to have better transparency because of the blockchain, and a bigger power by the unity of many people instead of a few. Now, with, with that type of concept, you've seen this being something that's really could impact a lot of businesses in, not only in Africa, but around the world. Now, is, is this a motivation for you to, is this first DAO, or are you, are you seeing yourself really create other opportunities in the, in the Web3 space? What are some of the other things that you're looking at? Um, so it will be my first uh, initiative in the Web3.0 space, okay. but it is our intention to provide to the companies that we are going to invest in all the possibilities that could help them. If structuring themselves as a DAO is one of them, we could help them to do that because there is a big portion of um, incubation support of startup, get them ready to be bankable so that we can invest in them, step one. Then once we invest in them, to give them the capacity building that we could for training, for mentoring, so that they can strive and their business can be profitable. So if within that uh, strategy, uh, blockchain accounting software could be delivered, uh, monitoring using uh, blockchain. If at one point maybe uh, crypto could be used for payment, for sure, uh, we will continue to give them the edge of what is out there. And today, Web3 will give a lot of added value for companies to use. Mm -hmm. You know, just let's say you are creating a business in Senegal and you want to have your community participate and the diaspora, the Senegalese diaspora, there's so many Senegalese in Italy, in France, in Spain, in the US. And now with a DAO, you can get them involved, you can get them to vote, and now they can use your goods and services also, and they all have a reward on it. So I think it will give a huge potential to businesses. 
And again, because of the African fund, the fat, the net profit of those business will remain in the continent to be reinvested in the next big venture in 54 countries. So you create that economical independence, food independence, transportation independence. Now, what would you say some of the challenges uh, you know, with this journey and, and what are some of the uh, obstacles that you have to overcome? So far, we have not reached obstacle because we are kind of looking at a space where there is a big lack of financing. There is already private equity in Africa for larger ticket size, 250 and up, but small business, 50K, 100K, if you don't have a rich cousin or a rich uncle, you go to the bank, the bank doesn't deal with you unless you give them a full collateral guarantee on that amount of money. They don't do risky private equity investment. So there is a huge, huge need for investment. So we see that uh, there is a market. Um, what is unknown and will be key, it will be the quality of our due diligence, will be the execution, the operational challenge of executing on the vision the right way, making sure that you are compliant, making sure that um, the system is secure, that there is nobody that will abuse the token and take advantage of the, of the system. Um, to make sure that the, the startup that we invest in see a benefit in the African fund, just um, not just the money, but also the incubation program, the capacity building program, the mentoring, the community that we bring, the buying power. You know, if we invest in an hotel in Mali, there is strong chance that we're going to have other hotels in other countries so we can create African giant by putting them together, having a better buying power, having a better loyalty program that combine all of this to multiple. And all of that will also help with the African Trade Act to create more trade between African countries. So, so far, it's the only opportunity. The challenge will be on the execution. Now, the execution aspect, how you plan to governance the, those small businesses or entrepreneurs you're working with? Um, are they going to be set rules that they will have to follow? What is the, what is that framework look like? So when a business go to the website, the African fund and will uh, apply for funding, they will have to follow a certain criteria that we are setting as far as the way their financial projection must be, the way their business plan must be. And we will help them to get there by our, our local community of member. And after that, we will evaluate their opportunity. Our experts in the field will evaluate, will come back to the um, advisory board. The advisory board will propose a term sheet. In that term sheet, the entrepreneur will see what are the conditions for our investment. It could be that, let's say, you want to open um, a dentist uh, office and you're missing maybe some basic accounting management skill, we will tell you, you know, we are ready to invest, but you need to follow this course to know about accounting and human resource management and things. And if you do that, then we are going to invest in you. So the guy know, the lady know what he, she has to do to have the money. And then is the follow-up is to make sure that they are striving to make sure that they get all the help and our auditor which are part of our member community will be also the people continuing to help them under the incubation program so you are helping them raise this fund but you also empower them with the necessary resources to make sure that they are becoming successful
their success is the success of the fund yeah. and if the fund is successful the population in 54 countries in africa will have a benefit it's really a community play where you uh, you're impacting 1.3 billion with a investment that you're making in Mozambique, mm -hmm. because now somebody in Mauritania will have the possibility to have an investment because profit has been made in Mozambique, in Central Africa, in Kenya. Amazing. Um, now, what is that, uh, especially with the, uh, the business partners in the interest of stuff? How has it been as far as from the uh, onboarding process standpoint to, to help them understand what is a DAO and the benefit of the DAOs? Yeah. So in the in the team of advisor, we have people that are good at uh, advertising, communication, and they are going to make sure that we talk a language that is understood, make it simple enough for people to understand. There is different driver, right? You have the entrepreneur that need money. There is the investor, maybe from the diaspora that wants to invest. There is the large private equity that want to invest in Africa, but they don't know how to do it in a granular level, in a spread level, the way we do it. So we are going to have a message according to who is the audience and make sure we tailor that message and that communication and the training and that um, to walk them through this process uh, in a way that they understand the, the full impact. And, um, and I think it's going to be okay because as far as the entrepreneur is concerned, once they want to start a business and you tell them, look, you need 100,000 to open your restaurant, go to this website, follow the step. And if they can't, they have a contact in their country who they can contact to get help, how to be bankable, how to be investor ready. Um, so that's, so there is someone on site or to help them understand this down. Yeah, we, we, we wish to have members of the DAO in all 54 countries because those are the people that will also evaluate opportunities in that country for market fit. So other people with specialty in Excel finance could be the one that will review the financial model. Uh, lawyers could evaluate the legality and the compliance can be reviewed. And if it's a restaurant, people are professional in the hospitality business. But at one point, somebody must know the market in that country to make sure there is a market fit. You know, if you're telling me you want to do a ski resort in Kinshasa, obviously we, we're having a problem. So somebody from Congo will have the uh, market understanding to give their opinion about this business opportunity again, so that we can make a sound, good investment that will generate a good return for the fund so that the money can be spread again and reuse to finance new SMEs. Amazing. Now, how can someone join this DAO? How can they take part of it? Oh, how can they learn about the This is the first podcast ever where I talk about the DAO. So it's in conception right now. We are working on putting it together. I will say for now, I be, I'm on Twitter with my first name, Yamandu. Um, we set up a Twitter called uh, PathDAO for Path, uh, the African Fund .dao. and um, yeah, look for more information via those channels. And then we have a Discord channel for people that want to get involved. It's going to be a website that we're working on designing. 
Um, the technology will be um, a team of six people from Capo Verde, um, Guinea, Togo, uh, Congo, experts in, in blockchain that are putting the technology, the security together. Again, in everything we do, a full diversity mix as far as female, male, 50-50. And yeah, uh, so yeah, look up the African Fund and we're going to be... Um, we're going to be around and we, every help of knowledge of investment will be welcome because it's a community play. You know, it's not about me. I'm not the majority yeah. shareholder. I will have one vote. You will have one vote. But together, we are stronger than myself too, or you too. Oh, yes. 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 Really appreciate your time. Yeah, uh, thank you for you know, sharing here this amazing venture that you're building. My pleasure. Uh, I want to thank the entire DAO, CEO, was able to give us the space to record this podcast. The entire DAO is amazing to hear in the video, helping 